Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. So as small business owners, we kind of tend to end up doing it all. So for designers, it's things like client management, design, development, social media, marketing, content creation, like just that's like just scratching the surface. And that is more than any one human should ever be doing ever. But that's just how that's just how it goes when we're running a business, especially just getting started. That's what we have to do to make this thing work. But sometimes doing things that way and being responsible for everything comes at a cost. So for a simple example, when I was managing my own social media, like I didn't care about it. I just wanted to be doing my client work and fun projects. I didn't want to be worrying about social media, even though I knew it was important. So I gave it like a good 50% effort and just didn't (laughs) do the best job. And I definitely paid for it. So as a designer trying to do it all, you probably find yourself feeling similarly about a lot of things and maybe overlooking portions of your business, kind of like I was with social media, that you don't actually want to. So specifically today, we're going to be talking about the development phase, since that's probably not the part you love doing. Today, we're going to chat about five details you're likely missing in that portion of your projects. I am... So happy that we're talking about this because just listing off all those things that we do as small business owners, seriously, I am tired just thinking about (laughs) all of that. And I can totally relate to getting to that point with certain things like social media was for you. Mm -hmm. Development definitely was that for me where it's like, ugh, I just want to hurry up and get it over with. And um, there were definitely things that I know I missed in some projects. One project and specifically where it, you know, it drug it out a lot longer. And I think my client knew that I had actually forgotten about this. And so it kind of made this weird situation with her. But... Um, yeah, so I am interested to hear more about these other details that I could have been missing. So when I can't hire you, Krista, I don't miss them. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, we'll see. I'll make you fess up after everyone and see if you were doing it. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, the first detail a lot of designers are missing. I'm kind of cheating on this one, but it's letting yourself shine as a designer. Because if you call yourself a designer, for most of you, that means development is probably something you learned because you had to. So maybe you're learning as you go. Or maybe you maybe you did learn, like, you know, maybe you went to school for a couple of years or took a couple online courses, but you didn't really want to. You just did it because you had to. And I think it's totally fine to do that. Like, no judgment at all here because coding is a very difficult thing to do. But it's likely that you're holding yourself back by designing around your coding abilities if you're not a developer, if you're a designer. 
So with such a saturated market of designers, I feel like it's so dangerous to be holding your like holding your designs back in any way at all because you need to do everything you can to stand out. Like we've talked about before, if a thread goes up in a Facebook group with someone looking for a designer, there are, you know, 50 plus responses pretty darn fast. And you don't want someone to go to your website, look at your portfolio and be underwhelmed. But then you know that you could do more if you knew more coding or if you could, if you were working with a developer or something like that. So you want to make sure you can show off absolutely everything you're capable of when it comes to designing gorgeous and functional websites. So make sure that taking ownership of development yourself is not holding you back from growing your business and that you can show off what you can really do. And if you're finding right now that you do feel held back, set aside time each week to learn more about coding or start looking into working with a developer. Like those are both very reasonable options that you can do so you can avoid this issue of holding yourself back in your projects. Yeah, I think this is a really great point. And yes, I definitely was guilty of this when I was just getting started. Because when I started like developing on WordPress, I had not enough experience with PHP. I still don't have enough experience with PHP to be doing any sort of developing. So obviously that means when I was getting started, I was having to, you know, like you said, design around what I knew how to do, which is really frustrating because when you have these really creative ideas that most of the time means you can't figure out how to bring them to life without fighting with Google for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree that I think a lot of designers are stuck doing this. And I like that you pointed out to um, just take the time to go back and maybe learn some more stuff. If you're not in a position where you can, you know, hire out that part of your projects, that is a really good idea. You know, pick something that you have seen on other websites that you really want to know how to do or maybe something you'd really like to do for your clients and start researching how to do it and test it out, you know, like on a local site where you're not messing with anything or, you know, potentially holding up a client project trying to figure something out. So yeah, that's definitely an option too. But totally agree. If you're just designing around what you know how to develop, I would say you're totally holding yourself back from being the bright shining star that you are, everyone. (laughs) She's blinking her (laughs) eyes at you all very nice and quickly. (laughs) Something else that came up when you were talking about that, I want to just quickly mention something about working with a developer is remember if if you are considering that route at all, you don't have to hire them for your full projects. You can, you know, design your website the way you want, get as far as you can, and then bring them in for those special features or the special look that you wouldn't have been able to do yourself. You don't have to bring them in for a fully custom project. And we've talked about that before, so I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. But I just want to make sure that you guys knew that was an option. That is actually a really good point, and I had totally forgotten that that was an option, but I have called on you many times (laughs) for that exact situation, and it is really helpful to, you know, get everything else done and then have a smaller budget that you need to invest in having the developer do work. So, yeah, good idea. 
Interrupting the parts of your design projects you love for tasks you don't enjoy doing isn't any fun. For a lot of designers, one of the most frustrating parts of a web design project is the coding and anything else tech-related. The design comes easy to you, but then you have to spend hours and hours googling how to make a simple change to the template you're using to make it just right. Luckily, it doesn't have to be this way. In the free Get Back to Design email series, you'll learn all about how to partner up with the developer on your design projects so you can ditch the code and do more of what you love. We'll talk about what to know before going into your first collaboration, what the process looks like, and how to find the perfect developer for you. To learn more about this free series, head over to getbacktodesign.co slash series. Awesome. So let's move on to the second set of development details you're probably missing in your design projects, and that is making things easy on your clients. And this is related to development because it's how you set stuff up. So it's how you code and how you're making the website overall. And this is something I completely missed in the first few months of my business, like 100% missed. I would get emails from clients asking how to update something and I'd be like, oh crap, like I have to tell them to change code (laughs) or that I need to go do it for them or something like that. And I very quickly realized that I was making it way too difficult because I don't want that to be my client experience. I want them to feel empowered about using and updating their website. Um, But I also know that this tends to happen with designers who do their own development. Um, I've talked about it before. I didn't do my own website. I had a designer do it. And it was a pain to update before I went in and started recoding things myself. I, you know, if I didn't do development, I wouldn't have even known how to change the header image in my website. And like, that's something simple. You need to make sure your clients can do little things like that. Um, but if you are doing those things, I, I don't blame you. Uh, I did the same thing. You want, like, it gets to a point where you just want things to work no matter what, and you don't really care what it means as long as it works, <laughs> you're happy. Um, but there are a lot of things you can do to make websites nice and easier for your clients to update. And we went through a whole bunch of options in depth in episode 21. So we talked about things like for WordPress specifically, using widget areas, using the customizer, using the advanced custom fields plugin or Beaver Builder. Um, all of those things can make websites so much easier to update for your clients. Um, unfortunately, those do take time and practice. So like we were talking about with coding, they are with um, like holding yourself back through your designs that you would take some time time investment for you to learn how to do those things. And it's probably not at the front of your mind, but it can be so, so worth it. So when you can for this point, just make sure your clients won't have to dig into template files or worrying about like deleting HTML and CSS in their pages and things like that. Sort through a whole bunch of plugins, make things as simple as possible. If they can like click on something, make their updates and hit save, that is exactly what we want. Yep, and here's another one that I'm guilty of, Krista. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was the same exact way. I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know enough about what I was doing. So that meant that I was crossing my fingers after I sent a project off that a client wouldn't delete a closing div tag, for example, and mess their whole entire site up, which actually happened once, and it was fun to try to figure (laughs) out where that div tag was that they deleted. But um, I highly recommend probably out of all of those things to start with maybe Beaver Builder. And I can't remember what we said in episode 21 because let's be honest, we're 40 episodes later. (laughs) I can't remember that at all. 
Um, but that has been one that's really been helpful for me to make things easy for clients to change out. And I know, um, as of recording this, I just set up a small project for a client where she had a few pages that were created with Beaver Builder. And at first she was emailing me saying, you know, how will I be able to change these things out? What will I have to do? And this was while I was still working on her site. And by the time I was handing everything over, she already knew how to mm-hmm. use Beaver Builder just as much as I did. Maybe I doubt more, but <laughs> maybe. maybe more. <laughs> so um, that's definitely one of the tools I recommend. And especially since there's a free version mm-hmm. and, you know, you can accomplish a lot with their free version, which is what I usually use. So, Totally agree. This is really important in terms of having your clients come back to you too, because if they know that you're going to create something that's really easy for them to take and then like grow and expand with, then they are going to want to return to you um, for future projects. But if you aren't, then they are going to have a bad taste in their mouth and want to move on. So Definitely agree that it's important to just make sure it's easy for clients to go back and edit things. Yeah, and it's one of those things that will get people feeling so, like, negative and like you are nickel and diming at the end of projects. Like, if they come to you and say, oh, by the way, could we change out this image? And you're like, sure, go do it like this. Go into the text editor and go between these two HTML tags, but don't delete them. If you do, everything's going to break. Or you can pay me this much and I'll go do it. That's what I used to do. And honestly, it's awful. And clients got so, so frustrated because they just think I'm taking advantage of them. Like I did things, you know, in a really, they know when you do things wrong. Like they know it's supposed to be easy. Um, So yeah, like you said, it just leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Well, and not only that, but I think for a lot of people, that right there is the reason that their clients eventually want to move to a platform like Squarespace. If you are working with clients on WordPress and you are seeing that a lot of them are ending up over there, you definitely need to pay attention to what you're doing because that might be a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that one of my clients I had several years ago, probably three at this point, Um, I had her set up on WordPress. She knew what she was doing, but she didn't know how to change everything. And um, actually just last year, I went to her site and found out they had moved to Squarespace. And it just seems easier for clients to handle sites like that. So um, yeah, I say keep an eye out on those kind of things because that's a big red flag to you that you don't know how to do enough and you may need to try out some new things so that your clients are not left in this position of, do I have to keep reaching out to, you know, the designer or the developer to fix these or change these things? Or can I just jump ship and, Mm -hmm. you know, move to a different platform, which is not fun either. I can say that. Oh, gosh, not at all. (laughs) Transferring blog posts. But I'm so glad you brought that up because... Something I absolutely hate seeing is in Facebook groups when people ask like ask about platforms and everyone's like, oh, Squarespace is so much easier to use. And I'm like, not if you set, you know, if someone sets up WordPress correctly for you, it is just, it is no more difficult than Squarespace. There are more options depending on how many special features you have, but you still can have the drag and drop. You add pages the same way. Like I've used Squarespace 
it's not that much different. But a lot of the problem is a lot of people, designers specifically who set up websites, don't know how to use it to the fullest extent. So then, yes, it is much more difficult. So I'm glad you brought that up. But I should probably stop before I get on the soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move on to the third detail you're probably missing. And that is the cost of plugins. And here I'm not really referring to like the monetary cost. So we'll get into that. But let's just start by saying a major benefit of WordPress specifically is how easy it is to add extra functionality through the thousands and thousands of plugins that are available. I think last time I checked it was over 50,000, but that was a couple months ago. So I'm sure it is much higher than that. By the time this episode is out and people are listening to it, holy cow, like it could be over 100,000. <laughs> so if you're not comfortable with coding, it's really tempting and easy to use plugins for anything and everything you can. Like I said earlier, some parts of my site aren't done the best way. My theme still has a plugin that adds the mobile menu. So when you go to my website on mobile, it only has a good looking menu on there because the designer that did it used a plugin. Like that's not great. So that's like one of the examples of things you don't want to use plugins for. For some things, yes, please use them. You know, special features, sliders, shops, things like that. You don't need to be coding, do custom coding. But for things related to how the website looks, like responsiveness and overall layout and like adding banners to the sites and things like that, you can avoid plugins at all costs. Oh, and I have to jump in right here and interrupt you and say, please do not use a plugin for responsiveness. Please. I've actually had several clients come to me, and this is where I admit, again, I didn't know what I was doing (laughs) when I was working with them. So my first several clients, some of their sites were not mobile responsive. They were, but they weren't super pretty, or they weren't good enough for my clients. And so they installed a plugin to create this specific responsive Mm -hmm. look, and then it's like, you're using a plugin to for one client she literally was using it because she wanted a different look from what her actual site looked like on mobile and it's like you are just loading your site down as i know you're about to point out with this useless plugin for no reason like oh my goodness yeah just had to get on the soapbox (laughs) there please if anything else don't do that yeah and i'm just gonna add in the responsive menu come on Come on. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into what I mean by the cost of plugins here. One of the big ones is performance of the actual website. So we all know that Google really ranks sites based on speed and people judge sites based on speed. If it takes more than a second or two to load, a lot more people are just gonna leave and be like, forget this, this website doesn't work, oh, I'm bored, oh, look, there's a squirrel. Like, they're not (laughs) gonna sit and wait for a website to load. And every single plugin you have installed, especially something that's loading, like the way the website looks, is one more thing that needs to be completely loaded before the page displays. And we want to avoid that at all costs. So if you can include something in the theme or template itself, it's so much better. I also want to touch on security, which I feel like is a big mindset shift there. But every single plugin you install is a new security vulnerability, especially if your clients hate updates as much as mine do. And by the look on Corey's face, her too. How many times have you logged into a site and seen like 20 updates that need to be done? Oh God, way. If I had like a dollar for every (laughs) single client site I logged into where they were not updating things... 
I could retire a lot earlier than <laughs> I can right now, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we just don't want them to have to worry about that any more than they can, than they have to, especially when it's just totally unnecessary. And then the last thing I want to mention about the cost of plugins is just confusion for clients. They don't expect certain things to be buried within plugins. They expect to be able to go on a page and like click to update something or go to appearance menus and update their menu. Well, I can do that, but I, I'm just like imagining worst case scenario here. If you used a plugin for a menu like mine has, um, you don't want them to have to search through more plugin settings than they have to. So that's just one more reason to keep plugins out at all costs. Yeah, and going off of that as well, um, I did have one client who had someone else build their site, um, and I've done little tweaks here and there for her since then. Um, and she had reached out to me. She was like, my ad network is changing or something, and I need this one specific line of code taken out. I have no clue where it is. And it was a, it's apparent to me, you know, logging in, into her site that she kind of knows where everything else is, or at least someone did at some point, you know, when they were setting up her site or whatever. Um, but even I was confused trying to go through like the header scripts, the footer scripts, you know, where is this piece of code? And it turned out that a plugin had been installed to add this one script to her site. And I was like, whoa, this is a terrible idea. And that's literally all it was used for. So, yeah, definitely keep in mind if your client needs to change something eventually, they are not going to want to have to do a bunch of hunting in their website or pay someone else because, unfortunately, yep. that was part of a project she was paying me for um, to go and hunt stuff down in there, you know, for them and then be out that money because you buried everything in a, a plugin you installed. Yeah, I actually just had that happen last night. Now that you're talking about that, I had a client <laughs> email me. He has a form on his website where you click it and a pop-up box comes up with a form. And he wanted to add a new one for a different location of his shop. And he was wondering how to do that. And I was like, okay, whatever, this is going to be easy. So I just went in to, and started making him a tutorial but I can't figure it out. I spent 30 minutes on it last night and I don't even know. So I emailed one of my assistants and was like, can you try to figure this out? Cause I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> All it is is a pop-up box and I can't, I can't find anything about it in the plugins or whatever. So, okay, that's enough examples, but just, you get it, you get it. Let's <laughs> avoid plugins when we can. So, okay, let's move on to the next one. And that another detail you might be missing is the way things look on every screen size. And this is something, Corey, I wish you could see Corey's face, you guys. Something I'm really careful about when I'm developing a website is making sure it looks good on every single possible screen size. And this definitely takes time. And it's different than the way a lot of people do things. I will admit there are developers out there who only check a few different screen sizes, like some of the standard screen sizes. But in my mind, I'm always asking, okay, well, what happens if they're doing what I do a lot and they have a window open on their laptop, but have it like drug down to a smaller size because they have a billion other windows open? That's probably a size you didn't account for, right? And plus, there are always new devices, you know, different sizes being introduced and you can't, if you can't protect your client against running into issues with the next like iPhone or tablet release, I mean, why wouldn't you just do that? I, we just had what three new iPhone sizes come out 
recently. <laughs> like, okay, what? Are those clients just out of luck on those screen sizes? So that's why I bring this one up, the way things look on every single screen size. Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, I think this is a really good point. And it actually surprised me the very first time that um, we were working on a project together and you were like, oh, this one certain random size, everything is broken or whatever. And I'm like, no one even has a screen that size, Krista. Just ignore it and move on with your life. And you're like, no, but I'm going to fix it because it's broken. Mm -hmm. And you're right. A lot of people don't do it that way. I never did it that way until I realized that you, fancy developer that you are, did it. Um, but you're right. I feel like new phones are coming out all the time with different screen sizes. Um, you know, laptop sizes are pretty much set in stone. But still, like you said, sometimes you yeah. are you're changing that like um, browser yeah. size and it's messing with everything. So it is important and yeah, everyone can miss it at some point or miss certain stages where you don't think about, um, cause I know for me, I thought, okay, well the iPad portrait size is this, but I completely forgot for, you know, a long time that some people turn their mm -hmm. iPad whoa and look at it the other direction some people do that on their phones too because they're crazy and weird so you have to, it's like too much to think yeah. about yeah yeah you it would I feel like it would be more difficult literally to try to develop specifically for every single possible screen size than just do them all like why not just yeah. do them all so yeah next time you're working on responsiveness for a website make sure it looks good on every possible size instead of just a few and this doesn't have to be difficult drag your browser around to different sizes to see what it looks like if you use google chrome if you go into the inspector's tool so like right click view inspect source or something like that there's a little phone and tablet icon in the top left corner that you can click on and preview different types of phones and tablets there's a little drop down and you can click like iphone 6 or galaxy whatever it is and that's just another really handy tool you should not have to add a ton of extra css to do this if the site is designed I guess even just following basic web design standards, not even with mobile design specifically in mind, it's not going to take a ton of extra work because things are going to shrink down to the right size naturally. You might have to add a couple extra breakpoints, but it's not going to be a ton of work, maybe 30 minutes max to do this. And it is so, so worth it. Yeah, if you find yourself with, like, 15 media queries, you probably did yeah. something wrong to begin yeah, with. Yeah, your design has some issues. Because I know... Yeah, I know I ran into that a lot of times, and it took me a lot of times <laughs> to realize, well, maybe if I changed the way I did it originally and, yeah. you know, coded it into the theme right or whatever, then I wouldn't be adding a new media query every 150 pixels or something <laughs> crazy like that. So that's another thing to just keep in mind, too. I'm glad you pointed that out. I'm worried, like, everyone's eyes are glazing over when we're saying, like, media queries and CSS and stuff. But hopefully, hopefully you guys are with us. <laughs> if you don't like that stuff, look in the show notes. We'll include resources for working with a developer in the show notes. But hopefully you're still with us. With all of that being yeah, if you go ahead. Wait, if you are glazing over, definitely hire a developer because this is still important is. even if you don't yeah. care. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> but let's move on to something that will seem nice and easy after that one. And that is training your clients. I think this is a big detail that a lot of people miss, developers included, not just designers, probably everybody included, all different types of business owners. Because this is one of those steps that is easy to want to skip. Like, I'm at the end of the project, everything is done, can I just stop already? It's not fun to have to go and then provide training for your clients. But it's also not fun for your clients to have a huge part of their business that they don't know how to use. And that's what it feels like to them if they don't know how to use their website, if they don't have the proper training. And I'm not saying that it has to be anything crazy here. The basics can totally be covered with links to YouTube videos or specific websites that cover basics of whatever website platform they're on. I currently have my own library of WordPress training videos that I send to clients, but once those are outdated, I'm not gonna recreate them. I'm just gonna have a list of links for them to go follow because someone else can do that for me. But every client I take on does get a custom video or a few specific to their website and any special functionalities their website has that they're not going to just find in a random YouTube video. And yeah, it takes extra time, but they really, really appreciate like feeling empowered about making changes to their website. And I guess if they don't realize that they appreciate it, they definitely realize they don't <laughs> appreciate it if they don't know how to use their website. So it's just worth creating these videos in the first place. Um, but if you don't have anything set up right now for, you know, and you don't have any processes in place for training your clients, start by gathering links to general tutorial videos. Or if there's like a site you can find that just has all the basics, just link to that one site, let them figure it out. But then figure in an extra 30, maybe 60 minutes if it's a really complicated site at the end of each of your projects to record custom walkthrough videos for your clients. Just like, here's where this setting is, this feature is custom, and here's how you update that. Really simple, but so they know how to manage their site on their own. Yep, and I definitely agree that this is this has to be one that everyone is missing because I never even thought about this until, again, I knew you were doing it. And then it was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. If I take five minutes to record this video, then they're not going to email me every th three <laughs> months or something when they need to change mm -hmm. this out on how to do it. Because um, they're always going to have this thing they can go back to. And it definitely does not take that yeah. long. Like you said, I just, as of recording this, um, yesterday recorded a video. And I think it took me a long time because I kept messing up and starting <laughs> over. But the actual video that I sent to the client was like less than eight minutes mm -hmm. long. You know, so it wasn't long at all. And honestly, if I wasn't so picky and OCD yeah. about my videos, which Krista really knows about, <laughs> um, then it would have taken me probably five or six minutes just to begin yeah. with. But um, I think something else that you can do, um, kind of going along with the WordPress training videos that you have, is I used to have a PDF that I created where it was like, how do you add a new post? How do you add a new page? And I'm sure you have that stuff covered in your like library of videos. Yeah. But I just had like a quick PDF that I would send off as part of like the wrap up package or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that everyone had it, even if they already felt like they knew WordPress, just in case. Um, so that's like the bare minimum of training you can do, I think. 
but it's even better for your clients, I agree, if you can give them some sort of quick tutorial video, you know, on those custom things that you've created for them. Mm -hmm. It just helps a lot. And like you said, less emails for us are always better, all the time, always better. Yes. (laughs) So this episode was not meant to make you like feel guilty, but instead it was to show you a few things that you can start paying closer attention to in your project, specifically the development phase and beyond. Both you and your clients are going to benefit from it. You're going to have better projects to show off, again, if you're not limiting yourself. Or if your clients can like know how to make updates to- correctly and aren't destroying their website. And then your client is also going to be happier in the end from these things. So if you have made it this far and are like, I do not want to be worrying about this, you can consider working with a developer like we've talked about. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, so I'll link to some of our other helpful episodes in the show notes. But just know that's an option if you're listening to this and like, there's no way I'm going to you know, worry myself with these things because I understand these are not fun things. But your action steps for today are to go through the five things we talked about and see if there is anything you've been missing, even if it's just one of them. If you do identify something, make a plan to change it using the steps we talked about with that specific issue and improve your process a little bit. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design.